Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name's Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I'm here with Clinta Jones. Hi Clinta, how are you? Hello, I am fantastic, thank you. Yay, what are you drinking? I am drinking white from sunny Brighton. I'm not even at home. <gasps> oh my god, are you going to EMC? I am. Oh. I've got three other salon owners in the room next door behaving quietly while I'm quickly doing this and then we're hitting a turn. Oh my god, I hate you. Sorry. Keep drinking. Keep drinking. <laughs> oh. At the end of the bottle, you're gonna feel like you're in Brighton as well. <laughs> I know. Why am I not there? Next year. <sighs> I know. I just kept hovering over it and I was like, I'm so busy. I can't take for you would have had to cancel our podcast if you were to come. Exactly, because they wanted me to go to the um winners club at 6 30 in the morning <laughs> i know anyway finta what's your business called and what do you do so i am the owner of house of jones barber shop i also own um cruelty free um hair product range but all of that have led me to go a slightly different path and right now i am launching my coaching program for fellow barbershop owners to help deal with tackle some of the problems that I had to deal with before COVID before all that started while I was pregnant and while I was having a baby and maternity leave and so on so that that's that's me I love this tell me more about the coaching program I don't know anything about it okay so what happens when you are um business owner and you are the actual worker on a shop floor of your salon barbershop whatever you wear all the hats in a world and you do all the jobs in a world. So when you are forced to step aside, like, for example, when you're pregnant, which was me back in 2019, I was desperate to, I was scared that once I step aside from my business, my clients will, they won't get the same. You, you know, when you, I'm sure you probably heard this more than once, when someone opens a new business and, um, People go there and then after that, well, it's not the same because the owner's not there anymore and, and the staff have changed. It's just not the same anymore. So I was so scared that my clients will say that about my business. So then I was brainstorming, looking online, trying to find a way how I can leave the same, leave my imprint, my presence in the shop without me physically being there. So I started doing these things and creating these systems that some of them worked, some of them didn't, some of the staff left and some of them took it on, some resisted. So it's been sort of ongoing process. And now it's in a place where I can take on a new member of team, train them within the week. I can leave them in charge of the shop, no problem. Uh, I work two days a week on a shop floor. And when I am on a shop floor, I only focus on my client. My client's my only priority. I'm not having to run the booking system or reception or anything everything sort of run as a well-oiled machine and then I thought you know what I know very too many salon owners that like me they open their salon because they love they have the passion for the job and what happens when you have a passion for a job you're an artist before you're a business person so we're kind of learning on a job so I thought you know what with a whole code and everything it's given me a bit more time to think about and reflect and I really want to help others and if at least I can help at least one person to step aside to have a maternity leave or just have a more time with the family you know what it's it's all worth it then so yeah <laughs> yeah no I've never had maternity leave the longest I've had or well I've only ever had three weeks off with my youngest because I had a business to run 
Yeah. So I didn't have a choice, but yeah, that would have been amazing. So how are you going to, how are you going to coach people? Is it going to be one-to-one? Is it going to be group? How's it going to look? So right now I'm putting together a online course. And once the course is live, I'm probably going to run some groups some webinars. Uh, right now it's just going through the beta testers. So I've got a couple of my homies doing it all for me giving me feedback and then we're tweaking a couple of things um so yeah it's just there and um yeah so we'll, we'll I'll, I'll kind of i'll make it up as i go along like with everything else in life. <laughs> but that's the best thing to do when you're doing a beta course because you learn what works yeah. and what doesn't work and you can add bits and pieces as you go yeah. along yeah so right now i'm putting the course together and then we'll see what's the next best thing to do is to i do want to do a couple of webinars and i wanted to spread the word and, and get to know um it's ma- it is mainly like it doesn't really matter it's mainly for the ladies in my shoes i guess because i can relate to them the most so yeah i wanna i wanna help a couple of ladies needing some time off work <laughs> I'm, I'm launching a membership in a couple of weeks so you should definitely come along and do some work with my people as well that would be amazing I'll send you some information yeah because that would just I mean all salon owners just need so much help because like you say they are creative first and business women second I know I, I do know a few um salon owners who aren't um sat on hairstylists or you know beauty stylists or anything like that they are business women that have opened salons but they are like two compared to you know hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. so usually traditionally it's women who have been you know a hairstylist since they were 16 years old and have always wanted to have their own salon exactly and they just didn't go through all of those steps of understanding the business because they just saw the manager as sort of doing the job and didn't really understand all the different bits they were doing. And it's when they get into those shoes of running the salon that they suddenly go, shit, this is hard work. Of course, of course. I've got given my first manager's job. I don't know why I got given it because I was not ready for it. And and I spoke sharply to a member of staff and, and I was demoted within a couple of weeks. But you can't give me a job of a manager just because I'm good at cutting hair. Yeah, but that's another thing as well. So many people think because they're like the top stylist, the director, they're the top earners and stuff like that, that they can then translate that over to running a business. But it's so much harder than that course because we don't have those skills that it doesn't get I don't know of a course that that teaches you that alongside of cutting hair and it definitely don't teach us in school no definitely not and that's what a lot of because we both know that you know when we um, have talks with you know everyone in the industry they always say to me well we didn't get taught how to negotiate a lease when it when we get our own salon we were just an option to negotiate a lease I know (laughs) until I met I know and you'd already had your salon for years yeah I know but I mean these are all brilliant things that we can teach people and keep you know giving them more knowledge so that they can just do better as they go along and then hopefully it will translate down to people so that when they are 16 17 18 19 and they've got that dream of running their own salon we will be saying to them when you get to the stage of your salon you can go on this course and learn how to run the salon you can speak to these people and learn how to negotiate your lease or you can speak to these people and they can do it for you and give them that knowledge so that they can start on you know on a much even keel rather than 
it just being the hardest thing ever because it's just I feel for people you know some of the people's leases that I deal with they've been in industry for like 15 20 years and they've got shit leases and I think you've like you're on your like third or fourth lease and you're still got terrible situation that you're in and nobody's told you along those ways that you didn't need to you didn't need to be in that situation blows my mind anyway back to your course (laughs) so it's a big leap from going from being on the shop floor to running an online course like I understand why you're doing it but why are you doing it is it also to get you off of the shop floor more or is it an added thing for your business or is it a heart thing I, th- I think it's a heart thing I think how, how many generations of hairdressers bar- barbers beauticians have to learn from their mistakes how many surely there's a time where we turn around and say you know what I'm gonna learn along the way as I run my business rather than get the get the mistakes make the mistakes lose money lose staff because you don't know how to do things I think it's time we make a change and I think the whole COVID thing but for me personally it, it was very healthy to have a reset a reset button button and sit down and look when I when the earth stood still and nothing happened and what, what can I, when my job is illegal, what can I as a human being bring to society to help someone else? So I did, dug out my old materials from like two years prior and I thought, you know what, I can probably do something with this and, and, and that was the beginning of it. That really was emotional when you just said, when my job's illegal. Because it, it was. was. It was. That's, a, that's just such an incredibly emotional thing to say because... It was what a position to be in. And actually, it's really interesting that you say that when the worst thing possible can happen, nothing changed. Like, not nothing changed, but we're all still here. And that is a leveling thing where you say, then I need to make some changes. There needs to be something else that can come from this because the worst thing possible can happen. The whole world was turned upside down but yet nothing changed and it needs to change and I just felt like I couldn't contribute I wasn't a frontline worker I didn't get the applause I was just there existing sitting at home like that just doesn't sit well with me and as much as like I say I really have you know use that time and and I have it has been so good for me I'm I'm really grateful I know this never gonna happen hopefully never happens again hopefully Hopefully it never happens again. But at the same time, when it did happen, it was really good for me. I'm like, I really needed that. Yeah, I understand that. I sadly didn't have a single day off. So mm-hmm. I I was kind of in that that position where I was seeing everybody else kind of going, oh God, I'm so sick of it. And I was going, I want a day off. <laughs> yeah. Well, a sicky. I'd have loved to have a little bit of a... Yeah, you know, what do they call it? Furlough scheme. Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> anyway, so where's the where's the grand plan for the course? Where do you think it's going to go? Are you going to do some coaching qualifications, or are you just going to see how it goes over time? Yeah, so I I already got an idea for the next course. So I build a series. Uh, it is mainly based for the barbers because again, it's what I'm most comfortable with. It's what I know. Um, Eventually, I would love it to go to the wider audience, the 
you know, di different small businesses because this is applicable uh, to everyone because any big corporation will have operations manuals. If you turn to any small business owner, if they don't even know what operations manual is, as it turns out. So, yeah, so I got, you know, I got, I got quite a lot, quite a lot ahead of me. Um. <laughs> How are you finding it in your salon having um, not rules and regulations, but like a procedure for people to follow? Are you finding that it's helping you run the salon better? So first of all, it, it really helps with the clients. So every client is getting the same service, regardless of who is seeing them. So that that's 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 the key. That's first of all, that's profits. People returning because they know they're gonna get. I have I have clients that have followed me for twelve years to three different barber shops because the one thing they say about me, I'm consistent, and consistency is the key to to your success. As long as every you can't have a bad day. You can't have a bad day. You can't have an off day. You can't not be bothered. Every single client have to get treated like a king or a queen in that very moment. So putting these systems in place have sort of created this structure for my team. So my team now can look after the clients and clients rebook more often than where, where they go to, guy or a girl. And like I said earlier, I can train a member of team from a newbie to cashing up, running the booking column, doing everything else we've got systems in place they follow them through that's it yeah See? and every every time they kind of slip away from it you just like bring them back we've got a manual at work we've got recordings we've got this we've got that we've got all sorts of things in place um they're never lost but very rarely they have to pick up a phone and actually call me and say i don't know how to address the situation we got we got you know um structure for if ever happens and we have a complaint, we have structure for um, awareness and fairness um, when people run late or no show, you know. So, so we got everything, everything's important in place and everything's simple and it gives them more time. It might sound a bit brutal, you know, that everything has to be systemized and so regimented. But actually, when you know exactly how to do your job, it gives you more time to be creative because it's what we want. We don't yes. have like a headless chicken, do we? No, and I think taking away the monotony of of life, like you have to do X, Y, and Z, gives you more time to be creative, yeah. I think. I don't do any of like the admin side of the business or anything like that so that I get to do the fun side now, the things that I enjoy. When I had to do all of the admin side of the business, my creative time was like tiny and it just wasn't fun. So I think to, for somebody to take away all of that thinking it must give you more time to concentrate on the client and give them the better experience yeah definitely and then then there's more room for other things so I really um you know encourage my staff to be creative and do things and enter competitions and get their name out there to be known for themselves individually so yeah and and that have that have been really really good for me and for my team which is why I want to share with others now I love that I love that and that's given me some more ideas as to um, things that I can introduce to the membership too of you know helping them with awards yes. and things like that because it's a huge part of our industry to have those accolades that say you know I'm the best you know barber in x y and z and I know there are loads of awards that you can enter but it's when you are creative and and creating masterpieces for somebody to give you an award and congratulate you for it is huge don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that the hair and beauty industry is the most award-dense industry. And I think it's because 
we don't have the uh, the progress ladder as many other like I don't know a banking or sales where you go from one you know get promotion you get a promotion you get a different role you get that we don't we don't have that climbing ladder so I think awards is one of the ways how to get recognized for your hard work even if you are just a stylist or, or or just a barber on a shop floor there's nothing wrong with that it's it's, it's a trade that is what we do so I think the awards and, and you know things like that is what gets our name out there how do you feel the industry has is viewed since COVID? Um, I think there's more, more love and appreciation for us. <laughs> there sure is. After all the um, DIY haircuts and, and the poor, it's usually the misses at home and, and mums and boys that they're with a shaky hands trying to cut the fringe straight. <laughs> I think there's a lot more appreciation for us and I think people... And that, you know the, the whole thing with uh, having to use PPEs and past and you know prices having to go up I think people really understood that and really accepted that and there's been a lot of like love for, for for us and what we do. How did you find the situation when you had to introduce PPE or ask people who came in to wear PPE was there any backlash at all? No no none at all none at all Every, everyone's been super super cool. Yeah I suppose you've had the same clients for such a long time that they understand that in order for you to keep them safe you needed to keep yourself safe yeah it it was expected everybody was on a page not had one bad um but then again I have all amazing clients honestly my 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 barbershop has 100% amazing clients so oh that's good I like that so where do you see the barbershop going then are you gonna are you going to continue to be on the shop floor? Like, how's that going to work for you? I, I like, I have this saying where I say, I cut hair so I get to talk to people. So when you sit in my chair, you have to listen to me. <laughs> I, I look, that's, that's me. You know, some people like to go down a local pub and, you know, chat to people and all that. I, I like to go two days a week. I, I have my clients um, and I just love to chat with them. I, I, it, it's, it, you know, it, it is my passion. It's what I love doing. It's why I've done this for 16 years. But um, but yeah, there I, I do want to do other things, um, and I, I want to have a balance. And I have a toddler at home, so it's it's good balance. Two days on a shop floor, two days running, well, a day running the shops admin, and then a day focusing on my course, um, and then rest of the time is is for the family. So, uh, and regards to the shop itself, um, there's room room to grow a little bit more. But I think I'm just gonna have one, but mighty. I'm not looking to go in franchise or anything, but it'll be one but mighty. Oh, I love that. Such a good idea. And I can't wait to see more of the course material. I'm definitely going to be getting involved in that and promoting that to everyone. Because I think it's so important that, that, that salon owners get the ongoing training. You know, it's not enough to just learn about new haircutting styles and new, new colouring um, techniques and everything like that. I think broadening their teaching is so important Mm -hmm. a thing that gets posted about a lot in our industry is that the teaching isn't always to the highest standard how do you find that in the barbering industry well I have an apprentice at the moment and she just started college and I'm pulling my hair out it's it's just it's just so outdated it's just so outdated and I'm just like it should be around 
me as a training provider and an apprentice and the college should adapt and work around what we are on rather than us having to tick their boxes but I'm not here to talk about college and their structure but it's 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 dated and and it needs and it needs upgrading and it needs um adjusting to how um we're tradespeople and I know my husband's electrician and, and he has uh, I think raised about three or four apprentices now and how they do to compare how we do it's we're still doing it backwards really that's so that's so sad to hear because at a time when we are so well appreciated because of covid this should be the time where so many so many young girls young boys are coming into the industry and saying actually this isn't just being a hairdresser just being a barber this is actually a really great industry to get into because there's so many you know you look at the awards and you can see how high you can get to so why can't I go in as an apprentice because then I can be you know traveling around the world when I'm older this is the right time for it so so to then go into an apprenticeship and find that the training is shocking is just it's you know such a sad thing to hear definitely yeah but there's there's always going to be kids you see I think hairdressing barbering is when you're not and and anybody listening to this gonna disagree I'm sorry I'm not meaning it that way but if you're not overly academic you are very likely to fall into hairdressing barbering oh no I did Uh, I know a lot of my colleagues have um it's not to, to say we're, we're any less smart. It's just when, when you're better with your hands than you are with your brain. At the time of that being 16 to 18, you often end up falling into this. And it's not for everyone, but those who end up doing it, it is, you, 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 you know, it, it's, how, it's how we earn our living. And, and, and it's amazing. And there's so much, so much to it. But, yeah, it's just some, somehow gets a bit lost along the way, I think. Yeah, no. And I've, you know, in a lot of the clubhouse rooms that I go in with the, you know, people in the um, beauty industry, what I find a correlation between is the beauty industry and um, dyslexia and ADHD. So I think, I think that, especially when we were 16, 18, dyslexia and ADHD was largely undiagnosed so the people who are roughly our age who are in the beauty industry didn't find out they were dyslexic or or had ADHD until much later on so they struggled at school so to now then be able to say that was the reason I struggled at school it's not because I'm not smart because so many of them are so intelligent it was just that they couldn't get from the brain to the hand but they could do a creatively amazing things with their hand and I think now having children who are young and choosing the beauty industry not because they haven't had opportunities at school they may well be dyslexic and have ADHD and everything but they've been diagnosed earlier because we have the capabilities that we have the knowledge now we they can then choose to go into the industry rather than you're stupid go and be a hairdresser and it associated hairdressing with being stupid which is so far from the truth because I mean whenever I'm negotiating at least for a salon owner they always say to me oh I'm so sorry I don't understand these things Denise and I always say I mean and I said it to you I went to university for five years to learn all of this I've been practicing for 15 years if you pass me a set of scissors I couldn't cut that person's hair you do something that I am not capable of I do something that you're not capable of. We all have our own things. Yeah. And I think 
before COVID, it was just your hairdressers. Yeah. Now it's like, you're amazing. And I think we should be riding that wave and continuing that and allowing people to feel like they're geniuses. Like when I hear people talk about the chemistry behind hair coloring and creating a hair color, it blows my mind. It's like listening to a scientist. Yeah. Yet, yet they still think that they aren't bright. Mm. And I'm constantly saying to every salon owner that I know, you are so much more intelligent than you know, because nobody else could do that. It, you have formulas in your brain that yeah. you know to create these beautiful looks. Yeah. Nobody, nobody else knows that. It's in, it's insane. I don't know much about colour. Mine is pretty straightforward. Virgin hair, slap a bit of bleach on. But yes, <laughs> yes, it, it is insane. And I'm really glad that, that you brought it up because because it is changing now. Now people are getting in the industry because it's a cool industry to be in, and there's a lot of opportunities rather than just because that's that's the only other thing you can do. Um, and saying that, it's time we we set us on on a on a successful path rather than learn from our mistakes and 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 the whole thing needs to slightly change and become a bit bit smarter because we are so much smarter (laughs) yeah completely I want to quickly talk to you about pricing because I know it's something that comes up a lot the pricing structure for most salons is utterly ridiculous and unsustainable why do you feel that most salons price themselves at such a low level where does this come from I think I think it all comes down to people not knowing again not knowing how to run a business and not knowing how much profit they should be making things and what profit is and 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 what a turnover and, and everything else I think a lot of us don't know and quite frankly when I opened my business I looked at the competitors I looked for other you know town that I live in charge look at their level they work and now I thought you know I'll, I'll bring a bit more of a higher standard at about the same price now we are one of the most expensive ones in our town and we don't have a problem with that and and we're proud of it but we, we I think short answer is we don't actually know how to price when 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 we when we open a business yeah I think there's too much of Let's look at the local competition, stick ourselves somewhere around the bottom to the middle and then see how we go. Rather than, am I Travel Lodge or am I the Ritz? Where do I price myself? What type of service am I offering? What's the expectation of my ideal client? What are they going to come in and see? Because I know from the the people that I've um, got as clients, the travel lodge salons, they have a, oh, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't want to kind of upset people. And the Ritz clients are, I set my prices and people beg me to cut their hair. Yeah. And I know which one I would rather be. So I don't understand why more of them don't go for the kind of Ritz style of, I'm going to treat every client like they are the queen. Yes. And they're going to get an amazing service, but they are going to pay for it. Yeah. And they're going to be happy to pay for it. Yeah. Because you're giving them. So it all comes down to what are you, what are you, what are you giving to your client? Are you giving the 
the top or are you giving just somewhere oh well you've got your hair cut you know i slapped a bit of product in maybe you got a blow dry but you know off you go no give them the 450 percent treat them like a king and queen and then charge for it and guess what they'll be back before you know because they want more because i think the industry where we just sell a haircut is over we now sell happy feelings we we essentially charge people money for how we make them feel if you if you leave a salon or a barbershop feeling million dollars and feeling amazing you want it more it's addictive the, the, yeah. the super su, su, superhuman feeling do you have when you have your fresh blow dry and your roots are gone and you just and a fresh skin fed for my boys like they're back every other week because yeah. they want it more and they pay a full price and you know and and because it's worth it yes 100 percent. because your hair is the accessory that you wear every single day yes. like last night i went to bed with my hair still wet so i've got like a tina turner thing going on usually if i'm fe- you know if i'm feeling like i'm gonna go out and everything my hair is like the thing that i spend the time on because i know how it makes me feel yeah you know will that would I you know and probably the same for my makeup but would I spend that much time on my outfit no because I can change that I can't change my hair like that so that for me is a non-negotiable and I think it is for so many people definitely since you know the time when we all found our roots slowly going down (laughs) our head during covid and watching it like slowly drain from our faces of feeling not ourselves because we weren't getting all the beauty treatments that we used to. Definitely, there was some movement in my head as COVID <laughs> went along. <laughs> I, I did my hair and it wasn't great. <laughs> and yeah, I you told me. Originally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're coming to the end of the podcast and I end all of my podcasts with the eight mile moment. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. Everyone knows that. And I love Eminem. And he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him, that he's skinny, he's white, his mum lives in a trailer, so that his opponent can't say anything bad back to him. So, Clinta, what's the worst things about you? Europop. <laughs> My husband bought me on eBay. <laughs> Your husband bought you on eBay. No, it's a going thing because I'm from Latvia and I'm a European, oh. and, and it's a going joke about him uh, buying me on eBay. Yeah. So that's that. There you go. Um, I don't know anything else. I, I like too much wine. <laughs> Apart from that, I'm pretty good girl. <laughs> <laughs> too much wine can be purchased on eBay, yeah. like Europop. Yeah. That'll do. Yeah, that will do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tick the boxes. <laughs> Thanks, Clinton. And too much black coffee. Oh, I'm black tea. Oh, good girl. Do you put a little bit of lemon in it? No. Try it. it it's life changing. No. Try a bit of lemon in it. Okay, I'll try it, but I'll judge you if it's horrible. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Clinton. Thank you for having me. And as always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk. Say goodbye, Clinta. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Clinta.